This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, we have Movie Talk, a program for all things cinema-esque, for the discerning film and video junkie. Today we'll be looking at three totally different but totally outstanding movies. There's the ever-evolving relationship between a young couple in Licorice Pizza, a manipulative con man in Nightmare Alley, and the abuse of religious power in The Eyes of Tammy Faye. To the seats with the clearest view wow, 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 wow. And she's hooked to the silver screen Do you know who I am? Yeah. Do you know uh, who my girlfriend is? Barbara Streisand? Barbara Streisand. Sand. Sand, yeah, like sands. Like the ocean, like beaches. Barbara Streisand? No, like Streisand. Sand. But the film is a sad thing for This is faith that brought us together. But she's lived it ten times or more Our roads took us here. She could spit in the eyes of Licorice Pizza tells a rather offbeat story of a developing romantic relationship between a 25-year-old woman and a 15-year-old boy. Carolyn Brown's been off to the Alice Cinemas to see this light-hearted, multi-level movie. Uh, Carolyn, it took me a while to figure out what this film was about. (laughs) Have you got any idea what the title Licorice Pizza actually refers to? Oh, it's a metaphor for the movie. (laughs) (laughs) How do you mean that? (laughs) You're not quite sure if Licorice Pizza is going to be yummy, but it turns out to be really delicious. So you enjoyed it? I did. It took a wee while to get into, but I actually really enjoyed it. And and I mean, don't be put off by so much by the age gap because it's not really a, it's a it's a good old fashioned romance in a way, isn't it? It's not like a torrid affair between a, a much older woman and a younger. It's not the graduate at all. Um, but anyway, getting off track. <laughs> but it is it's just lovely. I really like the characters. They grow slowly and, and all these eccentric situations yeah, and things they that keep they you get awake. into. Mm. It's really good. It doesn't go to formula. Which is really no, there's good. no formula to this one no, at all. Not yeah. at all. There mm. are plot twists yeah. all over the place, and there are characters that don't go anywhere, and there are characters that do go somewhere, and and I really enjoyed it. I mm. thought it was really good. Well, well I, well, I did a bit of checking out, and I found out what the licorice pizza yes, actually stands <laughs> for, because um, the point is this film is set in the San Fernando Valley, that's on mm-hmm. the, the northern area of um, Los Angeles. And uh, it's quite lovely around up there. And um, and the director of this film, that's uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, um, he was born there yeah. and actually still lives there now. And he and this film is set back in the seventies, so he's trying to bring back his own. He does, and he talks world about world that he lived in then. Yeah. And I think this is uh, basically the whole point. And the whole point was in those days. Um, uh, the, the Licorice Pizza was the name of a chain of record stores yes. in California. 
And so the title is very potent to anyone who lived in that valley in the 1970s. Yeah. To the rest of the world, it may mean nothing at nothing all. Nothing at all. It certainly didn't mean anything to me, but, but uh, to him it did. To, to the people yeah. there, it was. And he it. also talks in, in that interview, I think, that you read as well, is that um, his favourite things in the 70s when he was a kid was licorice and pizza. That was also why he called originally it was going to be called Soggy Bottom and I don't think that was going to be much of a yeah. <laughs> title. You definitely don't know what you're getting with licorice pizza where you might with a soggy bottom. Um but yes, Paul Thomas Anderson, he is the writer and director of Boogie Nights. Um oh, yeah. and Magnolia, which is also set in the San Fernando, the Phantom Thread and there will be blood. So he is a well-known and well-seasoned hmm. uh, writer and director, and it kind of shows in this film. Yeah, I think well, it's it, very clever because yeah. you do start you start to wonder what on earth has that got to do with us, and then it kind of folds <laughs> where, in a little bit. Where so is this film going? Yeah, and the actors hmm. are both unknowns. Um, Cooper, the main characters, um, Cooper Hoffman. He's the son of Philip Seymour Hoffman. And I was mm-hmm. when I was looking at it, and I was going. You look familiar. Why do you look familiar to me? And I couldn't figure it out. And then when I read that he was his son, it was like, ah. Oh, I see, I see. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then you've got Alana uh, Haim, who yeah, plays Yeah, who's the... normally a songstress. So this is a, yeah. a new she, thing She's got her. a band with her own sisters. Yes. And, and, and then there's that one scene, that dinner scene, a family dinner scene, yeah. and that's actually her, her own mum and dad in there <laughs> with them all. And this, again, is one of these unusual scenes. This is a Jewish family. I've got one other fellow in, in there, and they sort of ask him to say the sort of the opening great grace uh, at dinner, yeah. but he can't do it because uh, he's an agnostic and uh, you know, not atheist, a, a, yeah. atheist and, uh, you know, and so he can't do this. And you wonder, what's this got to do with the rest of the film? And as far as I could see, it has nothing to do it with it at it all. It kind of all fits in a way. When you when her motives are shown for why she why she went out with the guy, there's, there's her motives behind that. But the, the our director, the writer, he does say that this is very much a family and friends project. And and you see that with her sisters being involved in the yeah. movie as well. Yeah. And he worked a lot with um, Philip Seymour um, Hoffman. And he worked a lot with him as well. So casting his son was kind of a no-brainer um, as well. So, mm. yeah. No, I really enjoyed it. I mean, yes, it is slightly odd in places. Yeah. And there's lots of cameos as well. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, this is it. Uh, I mean, as you say, um, the the director, that's um, um, Paul Thomas Anderson, he knows the Hollywood there. He's got Sean Penn in there playing an ageing movie star. Tom Waits turns up as a film director. Bradley Cooper's in there yeah. as a hairdresser getting involved in this crazy... Yeah. And then ends up with the, the with the girl in the film having to drive his truck. Yeah, no, no uh, more back spoilers. back at down <laughs> down a hill, no a steep hillside spoilers. in the dark. And, and again, you wonder why are they doing? Yeah, this? you're just going to have to go along and enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just warning people about. Yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I, th- I, I think you're quite right there. What you're saying about the film because. Um, yeah, I mean, you get this continuously uh, evolving relationship, deep, more deeply mm. evolving relationship between the two. But really, uh, you could also say that the film is really about this young woman's journey of self-discovery. Yeah, She's going from job to job to job, trying yeah. to find things there, trying out different jobs, clothes, 
and seeing you know where she fits in, what she can do, and all this sort of thing. So that seems to be basically the main point of the film. Yeah, and but, the boy as well. It's a growing up film for him. Yeah, too. well, he yeah. certainly knows the kind of jobs to get. I mean, you know, <laughs> he he's does. a fifteen-year-old kid, and he decides to open his own business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does he open? Yeah, lots of plot spoilers you're about to come up with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, selling waterbeds. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, well, back in the 70s, I guess they used to do that sort of they thing. They did, yeah. That doesn't work, so he sets up a sort of a, another sort of a... What, yeah, lots of different businesses. Yeah, another business. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, have I to think. watch the movie to find out the rest. Mm. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, uh, anyway, it seems to be quite popular as well. Mm. Yeah, well, that's good, so it should be. Yep. Cool. Okay, good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was Carolyn Brown with her views on licorice pizza and I'm Hans Petrovic on Movie Talk on Plains FM 96.9 Now, brief as you can What is your name? Stanton Carlisle Are you a true medium? Yes, I am Mr. Carlisle? Doctor, how about that? Please lay down. Can you read minds? Yes, I can. Under the right circumstances. Keep your answers brief. What do I want? To be found out, same as everybody else. Nightmare Alley is a classic film noir story in which we follow a manipulative con man who becomes a victim of his own wrongdoing. Ian Cummings been off to the Lumiere cinemas to see this fascinating film with a wicked atmosphere. Ian, this film looks as if it was actually filmed in the 1940s. What did you think of Nightmare Alley? Well, what I thought about it was it had to be good with its running time of two and a half hours. <laughs> yes. It had to be yeah. good. And indeed, I wasn't disappointing. So. No, I mean, it's, uh, the, the plot itself is quite slow in evolving. But every minute of it is quite fascinating, the way that film was put together. Yeah, if I can just ju- just make the point here that it, it's got a brooding feel. It's, got an atm- it's very atmospheric and it's yeah. rich in detail um, and with its characters and its setting and it's never, never boring. No. And, I mean, it, it, the odd thing is the main character, um, Stan, played by Bradley Cooper, you know, the film starts off with him um, putting this corpse of a body into a hole in the floor in the house and then setting fire to the house. And then for the next, I don't know how many minutes, five or six or seven minutes, he never says a word in the film. It's only until he gets to this carnival place, this travelling carnival place, and he's looking for a job that he says something. And the film is essentially sort of like that. You're never quite sure where it's going. But it's absolutely fascinating stuff and gets you deeper and deeper and deeper. (laughs) You mentioned film noir in in your introduction there. Well, that's French for dark film and it was very popular in the 40s and 50s. Films like Sunset Boulevard, Double Identity, The Third Man and the original Nightmare Alley in 1947. Yeah, because this is uh, uh, based on a novel and it was originally adapted to the screen in 1947, as you say, yeah. So this version has all the elements of film noir, the setting, the mood, a lot of cigarette smoking, (laughs) a femme fatale, a brilliant Kate Blanchett playing this devious, scary psycho, and a hero, except the uh, equally brilliant Bradley Cooper is anything but a hero. He's an (laughs) anti-hero who disposes of his father, happy to con paying clients, and um, brutally kills in a shocking scene towards the end of the film. Yeah, yeah. 
But, 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 you know, but it opened, I mean, the film is sort of basically in two parts. The first third of or so is, is set in this travelling carnival place where he gets himself a job. You've got all these odd um, sideshows in there, you know, all sorts, you know, bearded ladies and different Contortionist kinds of... Contortionists. And, and yeah. fortune tellers. Yeah. And, and somebody who's a beast and... Um, and yeah, they, the they can't tell whether he's human or, an, or a beast and, and all this sort of Actually, thing. Actually, you mentioned sideshow, and I've worked out just when I was thinking about this this morning, that's why the title is Sideshow... Sorry, Nightmare Alley, because sideshows are talked about alleys. Are you going down Sideshow Alley when you go to a carnival? Is you go right? to the show? Oh. Yeah, so Alley is tied to Sideshow. <laughs> OK. <laughs> so there you are. There's a little bit of, um, uh, if you like, a little bit of um, trivia. Yes, thank you very much. You're for most that. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, yeah. this has got a top-notch cast, having a top-notch performance and a top-notch adaptation by Del Toro, the director. Mm. Well, the amazing thing is it was after we saw this film last week, that night on TV in the Graham Norton show, Kate Blanchett was on that show talking about her part in this film. And she was amazing in this film. That's very strong. She plays this um, psychologist woman in New York who he, who he joins in the second half of the film, travels from the carnival thing into <clears throat> New York, where he starts dealing with all these wealthy people trying to con money out of them in all sorts of odd ways. <laughs> and he uses, well, he thinks he's using the, this psychologist to get to these people. Of course, she's in fact using him to do her kind of She, thing. as I said, she's devious <laughs> and she's scary as hell. Yeah, and she's not to be trifled with, as we, as you will find out when you see the film. Oh yeah, but 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 that it's a, such a wonderful, powerful performance that she puts on in that. You know, she dominates every scene when she walks onto it. You know, it's really great fun to to watch her in there. No, it's there's a great cast, a great cast of actors there, and uh, Del Toro, uh, Guillermo Del Toro, who did Pan's Labyrinth and The Shape of Water. This film has no monsters or strange creatures here. These are people, uh, carnies they call them, carnival people, carnies <laughs> ah, in right. the 40s, mm. travelling with their sideshows. Mm. Yeah. Uh, as I've already said, it, it looks very much like a 1940s movie. But, you know, it's so authentic, you know, the design, particularly the carnival scenes. Oh, well, those, the, the detail and all these little sideshow places and yeah. things in there. It's absolutely fascinating, the art direction, the lighting, the costuming in this film. Mm. It's such an amazing thing to have put together so well, you know. It's, um, yeah, but again, as you say, it's two and a half hours long, but it does keep you going. Well, it's well worth going to, and you uh, and you won't be bored, I promise you. Yeah, right. Okay, thank you, Ian. That was Ian Cumming helping me with Nightmare Alley. I'd like to thank the sponsor of the show, the Harcourt's Grenadier Accommodation Centre, which is now located at 98 Moorhouse Avenue. If you're looking for a place to live, check out the Harcourt's Accommodation Centre website, assetmanagers.co.nz. That address again, assetmanagers.co.nz. Tammy Faye, what'd you do? Hello, Mother, this is Jim Baker, my husband. It's all part of our mission to help people. Anyone who's hurting or they feel like they've been left out, God has a plan for us. What'd he tell you to do this time? Jesus keeps a ticking me higher and higher. 
Jim will preach, and I'll sing. To be poor. Father, a pleasure. Now God has a voice in this fight. Who's he fighting? Liberal agenda, homosexual agenda. Faith isn't political. You can't talk to him like that. Jerry Falwell is a powerful man, Tammy Faye. In the eyes of Tammy Faye, we see a true story of religious corruption and the inevitable public scandal from the point of view of a woman who had become deeply involved with her husband through their religious television programs. Mary Gibson's been off to the Academy Cinemas to see this deeply moving film which can captivate even the most cynical viewer. Uh, Mary, I think Jessica Chastain, who plays the title role, is the driving passion behind this film. What did you think of The Eyes of Tammy Faye? Oh, I thought this was really brilliant. This is an excellent movie. I, I knew the story anyway because, you know, it, it happened in the... 70s, 80s, and so it was in the news and, and understood all about the televangelism and, and, and what had happened to The them. money that they were yeah. making out of yeah. all of this. Yeah, yeah. so, so mm. I was a, well aware of the story before we went to the movie, but I have to say that Jessica Chastain is absolutely brilliant in this. She's Oscar-worthy, amazing as Tammy Faye Baker and Andrew Garfield, of course, as Jim Baker. Yeah, is the husband. Pretty, yeah. pretty amazing too. But what what unfolds through this movie is, to, I mean, it is totally her story. It's the eyes of Tammy Faye, and she was famous for all of the eye makeup that she wore and these uh, uh, huge, long eyelashes. She was well-known through for that throughout her adult life. And um, so it's kind of two, I see it as, as two pieces. It's, it's seeing the world through her eyes and as she saw it, but also the focus on these eyes and the makeup and who she was <laughs> as a person. So kind of double, double entendre there. But um, the, the story that evolves, I think, is really worth the telling because in a lot of ways it compares, in my mind, to what's happening in Destiny Church, right? Right now, so well, it's very topical. Hmm. So it's not just of, saying only in America. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Televangelism is obviously worldwide, and it's all about making money so that they can, you know, live their lives and drive the Porsches and the flash cars and the Mercedes and everything like that. But I mean, put that to one side and and look at how she naively lived through her husband, yeah. and and completely yeah. was sucked in by. By, by him and the, the other deeper aspect of that is that he clearly was homosexual <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but was very anti um, homosexuals and, and and she oh, you never admit it no <laughs> and, and she on the other hand was very supportive of the LGBT community so it's 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 re- and, and you know championing people with AIDS and so on mm. which was really coming to the fore at that time, probably similarly to when Princess Diana was leading into that era and so on. So these women fighting for a cause where the males are saying, mm, doesn't exist. Yeah. So, you know, those historical aspects, I think, are really important yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Well, well, amazing things. Uh, Jessica, this is very much Jessica Chastain's film, although it was... Um directed by Michael um, Showalter and based on a documentary by two blokes, Fenton Bailey and Randy Barbato. In in that documentary, it showed um, the husband and the wife 
sort of going through the film, doing these things together. Mm. And you know, behind the scenes and everything. Whereas uh, now, uh, this then um, uh, Jessica Ch- Chastain came along, and uh, and approached these two writers of the documentary about um, redoing the the script and uh, um, and and showing uh, and sort of pointing out the difference between what the husband was up to in this film. This is as far as he was handling the money and and doing this sort of thing. Whereas she she was in there essentially just to um, spread the word of God and the love of God and that sort of a thing. And yeah. uh, this is the point, the difference between the original documentary and what um, Jessica Chastain has insisted on putting into this movie version. Of well, it. I, th- I think if you go back to the fact that it was him that was prosecuted, him that ended up in yeah. jail, they were well aware that it was him that was yeah. driving all of this. Yeah. And, and if you look back at the early pieces, how misogynistic that whole environment was. Oh, yes. The, the women had no say and and no 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 influence. So she was very much used through this whole process to basically be the mouthpiece and to generate the income because they knew that she had the appeal that reached across to to the wider um, uh, audience of yep. their of their Christians. So yeah, it, it's um, I think it's a very very true doc, few documentary, telly movie, whatever you want to call it. Really, I, I think that it's it's a very true reflection on reality on, on what actually did yeah. happen. Yeah. yeah, seeing seeing it through um, the eyes of the woman in the film, and uh, and I mean she she put seven years of research into Tammy Faye mm. before mm. this film starts. So she's she. Was quite devoted to working on this mm, and getting mm. this all together and get the message across, which is absolutely, um, you know, fantastic. And and I mean, uh, the other thing about it is the film covers uh, sort of follows um, these two um, uh, from the nineteen sixties through to the nineteen nineties, mm-hmm. and we see the changes. Uh, uh, of course, um, Tammy Faye gets older. And the way Jessica Chastain handles that in the film is absolutely fantastic. Mm. The makeup, different hairstyles, all of this sort of thing. Mm. You know, it's, 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 it's her film 100%. All the oh, way. That's why I'm going to back her for an Oscar in this because yeah, I think yeah. she is absolutely brilliant. And that, you know, that ageing process, the different clothes, the different eras, all of that, it is so well done. It is incredibly well done all the way through. Yep. <laughs> you have to you have to admire her and um and as I said, she really is the movie. I, I know there's buzz around Andrew Garfield, but she's mm, he's excellent she's too, but, really but good it's, at, it's yeah. her film and well worth seeing for that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well thank you, Mary. That was Mary Gibson with her views on the eyes of Tammy Faye. And I'm Hans Petrovic, inviting you to listen to Movie Talk again on Plains FM 96.9 at midday next Wednesday. This program will also be repeated at midday on Saturday, and you can listen to podcasts of earlier episodes on the Plains FM website, plainsfm.org.nz.